Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. This is the 49th episode of this podcast. Not that it matters. This is Halloween special, special, question mark, part two. And again, the only reason I'm calling it a special is because I'm trying to watch horror-esque movies to get myself in the Halloween spirit. It, It never happens. My dogs are barking. You know what's weird is I, I, I always try to get into the Halloween spirit, and I don't know how to do it. Um, every year, you know, I remember one time at at work, all the other like I didn't do anything to my cubicle, but my coworkers were decorating their cubicles like crazy, putting all these like like spider webs across the cubicles and decorations and spiders and all this stuff. And there's candy and costumes and, and I watch horror movies. I I never get, I can't get into the spirit. I don't know how, I don't know why the 31st just comes and goes every year, every year. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's just there's nothing I can do. I, I it never feels Halloweeny, you know. I'm watching all these horror movies. It doesn't matter. Still feel empty. Still feel low. Still feel like a dumbass bitch, you know. Um, on this episode, I'll just should I just tell you the movies I'm going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about House of the Dead. Oh, already messed up. The House of the Devil, Hostel, The Fly, 1958, and Return of the Fly, 1959. I will get to that towards the end of the episode. But first, I want to talk about LinkedIn for a little bit. Um, LinkedIn, basically, it's a social, like, I hate, I've, I've developed a strong, strong aversion to social media over the years and I don't try to hide it and LinkedIn is one of those things like when it first came out it's like it's like it's social media but for professionals and you know they try to differentiate itself like it's not Facebook it's not Instagram it's professionals it's it's kind of boring but it's supposed to be it should be and you know, just like Instagram, just like YouTube, just like all other social media, just like Twitter, there are strategies to grow on LinkedIn. And again, I, over time, I realize all of this is, is just pointless. Like, why do you want to grow on LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah you, you want to get more exposure, possibly bring more eyes, people, money to your business. But there is a... I don't know. There's a mental health issue that it's not worth it for anything. I don't think so, uh, in my opinion. But LinkedIn is like I attended uh, some workshop a long time ago and I got kind of a, a free LinkedIn thing like video series where it says, here's what you can do to grow on LinkedIn. Here's how, what you can do to optimize your profile, blah, blah, blah. And I I get it. Like, if I want to succeed in whatever, my branding, my business, whatever, 
I, I get that social media is a tool, but it, it's also a, a bane on all our mental health healths that I don't, I really don't think it's worth it at the end of the day. But I, I understand that it's a tool, it's a strategy. And LinkedIn, I go on LinkedIn and 99% of the posts, am I talking to the right end of the mic? Let me just check real quick. Back of the mic, back of the mic, front of the mic. Yeah, I, it doesn't sound great for some reason. I don't know. Um, 99% of the posts on LinkedIn are people bragging, bragging. And that, that is most social media. I get it. Like on Facebook, a dream come true. We bought our house. I can't believe we never thought we'd be able to buy a house, but we bought a house. Um, you know, you got a promotion. And LinkedIn, it's like, I'm proud to announce that I have been promoted to vice president of shit kicking. Or, you know, like, I'm proud to announce that I'm now the senior VP of ass licking. Like, that is 99% of the posts. And, I, you know, LinkedIn, like all social media, they... Uh, according to the algorithm, according to what they think you want to see, want to hear, want to read, recommend these posts to you. So they think I want to hear, see, read people's promotions. I don't know. Or like, um, I am the project lead of toilet sucking. Like 99% of the posts. And I, I, and I get it. Like, Again, it's a strategy. Like, you want to post that so it gets a lot of likes. The more likes, the more LinkedIn will recommend the post to other people and other people who are connected to those people who liked your post will see that post and they're like, oh, so-and-so is now the VP of nipple licking. I'm running out of things to, I don't know. But I... I don't, it's very, like, and I get it, like, Instagram is the same thing, like, um, just bought a new car, or, um, I can't try, I'm running out of things to, uh, um, just bought a PS5, um, uh, I just got a new job at the swap meet, you know, like, Twitter, same thing. Facebook, same thing. Everyone, and everything's a brag. And LinkedIn, like, I don't know why I expected anything different, but it's it's annoying. It's very annoying. I am so proud to announce that I am the, the lead project leader of Turds R Us, you know? And I, I don't like it. It's very annoying. Um, I, I, I will end my LinkedIn rant by, oh God, by talking about this douche. There was a douche post that I saw. It was a man. 
and the man was talking. He posted a picture of himself, and he was talking about how he went on a field trip for his kids or his kid, and all the rest of the parents were moms, and he was the only dad. And he took a selfie of himself on the bus, looking concerned. And he, oh my God, like the caption on this post was, dads, we need to do better. Oh my God. So basically he, he's like, I challenge all the dads out there to go on the field trips with your kids because I was the only dad on this trip. And it can't just be the moms going on field trips out there. Dads need to step up. I was so disturbed and disgusted by this post. And this is, all, again, all social media. Because you you say these sweeping generalizations. And you're grouping, like, you're attacking dads. Like, again, this guy doesn't... He doesn't know every individual situation that all these other dads... Like, they don't know. The dad could be dead. The dad could be, you know, lost out in a forest somewhere. Dad could be uh, in a wheelchair or something. Dad could have left the family. You know, um, it's that thing, like, you know how Bill Crosby... Cosby? Crosby. Bill Cosby... All those years, he he spoke out and he told like young black men how to behave and how they should be, blah, blah, blah. And it turned out he was like raping women left and right, right? It's the same thing. Like this guy, someone needs to look into that guy's hard drive. You know what I mean? I, I didn't get, I, I'm not going to say that guy's name, but does, does anyone even know if that guy had a kid on that bus? I have no doubt in my mind that that guy is possibly slash probably a pedophile. It's the guy who protest, like, you know, that saying, the Shakespeare, ye who protest too much, whatever. Someone looks needs to look into that guy's browser history or something. The, 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 the gall. That that guy, the uh, audacity, which I'm using to record this podcast right now, the audacity that that guy has to to judge other and to, and and you gotta you you have to see the the other posts like the the people praising him. Amen, hallelujah. I agree with this so much, and you you see a few people like trying to brush up against him and saying like, I don't, I don't really don't think it's good to, to generalize and to speak. And he like tries to defend himself But that guy. I think I personally think that guy, his post does worse than anything that those supposed dads did to th- those children or whatever he's railing against. The guy's an asshole. The guy's a douche. The guy's a cunt. I'll say it. Um, that's all I want to say about LinkedIn. Um, I I probably shouldn't post this. I I don't know. You know, I I heard I read like an, another LinkedIn strategy is like, I heard a lady say, I can't believe the things that people post on social media. Don't post on social media anything you wouldn't say in real life. And I get it. 
And I, I wouldn't want any potential employers listening to this podcast. Of course not. But then again, I don't think anyone listens to this podcast. So I, I can't see a scenario where a, a potential employer would listen to this podcast. And if they did, I hope they would just be like, you know, we're all adults. I'm speaking as an adult. I'm just speaking freely. I like when people speak freely and honestly. I don't like how social media is just scraped clean and everyone's allegedly, supposedly on their best behavior. But when they're at home, they're complete douches. You know what I mean? I I value honesty, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um. Anyway, that how where am I at in the recording? 13-minute rant on LinkedIn. Um, I briefly want to talk about Blink-182. I think I talked about it briefly last time. I don't remember. But I just want to say, like, I, I listened to their new song, and I was like, it's all right. It's all right. And then about 15 or 20 listens later, I was like, all right, it's a little bit more. more it's a little bit better than all right. Um, I love this song, Edging. I, I love it. It's, it's happy sounding, it's poppy sounding, and it's just, it fills me with glee. It's one, like, I, I don't know how much I mentioned last time, but uh, no offense to Matt Skiba, I think his name is. Um, no offense to him, but... Prior to, like, last week, I didn't know what he looked like. Uh, I'm just being honest. Um, let me... I'm trying to look. Is his name Matt Skiba? I'm just going to call him Matt Skiba. And so I, quote-unquote, found Blink-182 around Enema of the State. 1999, I was, like... Like, right around, like, 8th grade, beginning of high school, I discovered Enema of the State, and I I loved it. I really liked it, loved it. So, Dude Ranch and Cheshire Cat were before I discovered them, or whatever. And Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, really, I, I loved a lot, too. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned Travis Barker was the, he he's the one who got me into drums. So like I I saw him playing in the videos um all the small things and what's my age again and I I fell in love with drums and the rest is history Take off your pants and jacket really good really good drumming really good songs And then self-titled I guess Blink-182 is where I kind of started to drop off he says it came out in 2003, so I would have been a senior in high school, I guess. I'm very old. And um, let me look at the... These fucking Wikipedia notifications are annoying. Um, I'm trying to find the discography. So, feeling this, I remember being kind of cool... I Miss You, I think, is the the one they make fun of. Um, Tom DeLonge a lot. And I don't... 
I don't remember like I can't I can't remember any of the, how these other songs go. So I started to drop off around this time, around 2003, I guess. And I remember Travis Barker used to get like his tastes were changing and I didn't like his you know, I I started to stray away from Travis Barker because I discovered the Mars Volta and John Theodore's drumming kind of changed the trajectory of my drumming tastes and stuff. So this, t- like around that time, I kind of started to drop off. And I- I'm surprised to see that there was an eight-year gap between Blink-182 2003 and Neighborhoods 2011. I, Again, I don't, I really kind of checked out of the band I'm going to look at the discography of this and I don't recognize any of them. Um, same with California 2016. I, I'm really unfamiliar. Um, previous efforts to record a seventh Blink-182 were repeatedly stalled by former guitarist vocalist Tom DeLonge pictured here in 2012. And then nine... Wait, C- California, let me look at the personnel so um matt skiba was on uh, that is his name matt skiba uh, by the time california came out it was matt skiba and then nine was i'm assuming matt skiba as well and so neighborhoods california and nine i was totally out they were off my radar they just were and I, I don't know, I I wasn't following their career. I didn't think that, uh, it's not like I was waited, waiting with bated breath for Tom DeLonge to return to the band. I, I, that's not where my mindset was at. I, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. But I saw, like I saw, started to see posts that they have a new song, they have a new video, he's back in the band. And I, I love the song. It's just, it's hitting me right in the right spot. And it just, it almost makes me feel like, oh, I never realized how much I missed Tom DeLong until I watched this video and listened to the song. Or maybe it's just nice, uh, a nostalgia rush. Or maybe it's just nice to see the three of them together. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm excited that they're back together. And... I'm assuming that they're going to release a new album because why why would you record why would you make this music video why would you record this song if they're not working on a new album and I'm going to pre-order the special edition whatever whatever when it comes out I'm I'm excited and it is fun it is a nostalgia trip nostalgia is a hell of a drug and I'm just, I guess I'm just happy to see them back and having a fun time in the video. You should check it out. It's called Edging, as if they need a plug by me. I think they they reached 6 million views in a couple of days. So good for them. I'm happy for them. That's all I got for that. Let's just move on to the movies. Let me... I usually go in chronological order, in the order that I saw them. 
so I will continue to do so now. I watched The House of the Devil. I watched this with my wife. And the reason why we watched it, I'd never seen it before, she'd never seen it before, is because Ty West is now on our radar, on my radar, after watching X. And so I wanted to see this, and I listened to the podcast episode, We'll See You in Hell, when they talked about X, and Joe DeRosa preferred House of the Devil because... Um, he just liked it better and Tom Noonan was in it and um, so we watched it and we liked it but there's a but you know what I mean Um, I think I definitely think it pales in comparison to X I think X is a much better much more solid movie I think and um let me look at this Ty West let me look at his Wikipedia he made The Roost Trigger Man House of the Devil Cabin Fever 2 Spring Fever Innkeepers Sacrament in the Valley of Violence X Pearl Maxine so House of the Devil is obviously a throwback. Like, it's weird because I, I I use these terms like throwback to old school horror, but I'm not a big horror guy, so um, I don't know. And it, it's fun, but I don't know. I liked X a lot better, but House of the Devil, basically there's this girl. She's a sophomore in college, and in the opening, she finds a, a room or a house or a, a, an apartment or something. And she really wants it, but they want, uh, they want like first month's rent and she doesn't have any money. So she's kind of desperate for money. So she takes this babysitting job, but it's a weird babysitting job. The main girl is Jocelyn Donahue, who I'm unfamiliar with, but she is party. Um... Dr. Sleep, Lucy Stone, I don't, I watched Dr. Sleep, I don't really remember her in it. Um, also starring Tom Noonan, Mary Waranov, Greta Gerwig, A.J. Bowen, and D. Wallace. So she takes this strange babysitting job, the guy's really weird on the phone. So finally they meet up, and she, the guy's like, um, okay, it's not a baby. It's uh, it's my mother or either my mother or my mother-in-law. And she's like, she's very private, but you just, you know, if there's an emergency, you need to be alert and you just need to be here just in case anything happens. And so basically at the end of the movie, spoiler alert for House of the Devil 2009, they kind of tie her up and they are some in some sort of like cult thing. The mom looks like a weirdo freak with a bunch of makeup on, like a creature type, and puts a bunch of markings on her like with blood and she somehow escapes. Um, but at the end, she 
shoots herself in the head, somehow survives, doesn't make any sense because she, you literally see her brains blow out of her head and somehow she survives and she is pregnant. So, you know, it reminds me of Rosemary's Baby, um, spoiler alert, and it's it's fine it's fun i probably would have liked it more if i saw it before x and i can't help but compare it because it's written and directed by ty west but i i liked it it was f fine my wife kept commenting that she was making so much noise in the house and i i know that's probably intentional like try to um for the suspense and stuff but she, every time she like put something on a table or opened and closed a door she was making so much noise in that house um first time i've seen greta gerwig in anything thought she was fine um her character was a, i don't know kind of a stoner i guess um and that's it for house of the devil uh, fun but watch x if you haven't next up hostel um, Hostel is a 2005 horror movie written and directed by Eli Roth. It stars Jay Hernandez, Derek Richardson, A4 Gujjansson, and Barbara Nechelarevova. And is present, um, presented and executively produced by Quentin Tarantino. What is presented by? What, is, what does that mean? The film is about a mysterious organization that tortures and kidnap kills kidnapped tourists. Spoiler alert. So I started watching this with my wife and I should have known that was a mistake because. Well, we were watching it and it was fine. But then when we got to the part where Josh was tied up in the chair and he cut the. Is that the Achilles heel? Um, is that the Led Zeppelin song? Um, Achilles heel. Click on images. Um, yeah, he ugh, he sliced the Achilles heel. So when he gets, he says, "Okay, you can go." Um, he gets up and his feet like separate. Where he sliced his Achilles heel. Oh boy. It's, um, I'm going to look up that Led Zeppelin song. Um, Achilles Last Stand. Oh, that's weird. Achilles Last Stand. It sounds very similar to a Mars Volta song. Um, I'm forgetting the name. Let me... Just get Tremulant. Is that the name of the song? Tremulant. Uh, Unique Provocateur. Unique Provocateur. You know, I have new headphones. And I'm worried because I don't believe it's giving me an accurate depiction of what's recording on the mic. Because... When I used other headphones, I could hear every little scratch and tick and dogs barking so clearly on the headphones. And I'm assuming 
this mic is picking up everything, but this earphone, the earphones are like hiding it, I feel like. But these earphones are recommended highly by, so I, I don't know. I hope it's all right. I hope the recording is all right. I'll never know. So Hostel is about these three dudes who are backpacking in Europe and they're, they want the chicks, man. They want the, they want the pussy, you know, they want to get laid, you know, uh-huh. And, um, so basically they go and then, like, they, they try to hook up with girls and then they meet this guy and the guy's like, you have to go to, uh, go over there, the ladies are perfect, it's amazing. So they go over to that area and they basically get kidnapped and, and tortured and killed by a mysterious organization. And, you know, I like Eli Roth because I watched, you know, I watched him on Joe Bob Briggs and I watched his documentary, I think it's called Finn. Yeah. And um, I like him as a person. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and assume that I like him as a person more as a, than I do a filmmaker. Cause I didn't love Hostel. I didn't really like it either. Well, you know, it's not really a fun. I mean, some of it is fun, but you know, seeing a guy tortured, it's kind of it's disturbing. But it's supposed to be. And to say you enjoyed this, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying I enjoyed it in a sadistic way. And, or if someone did enjoy it, it, they're sadistic. I'm not saying that. But it, it's it's a disturbing, gross, disgusting movie. And so this is 2005, right? And they spend a lot of time with the three leads, Establish, establishing that these three leads are dudes or bros. Jay Hernandez as Paxton Rodriguez, Derek Richardson as Josh Brooks, Efor Guajanson as Ollie, Ollie Erickson. And they're, they're dudes, they're bros, they're dude bros, right? Dude bro massacre. And um, the language that they use was it, it's it's out of what's what's the word it's outdated you know and i'm trying i don't want to posture but like we all use different language in 2005 just like we all use different language in 1995 blah 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 in 2015 it changes by the minute so the Jay Hernandez's character Paxton in particular I mean they I Paxton and Josh both use the F homophobic slur I don't want to say it but uh, a lot of people use that kind of language back then um so I I understand and I'm not I'm not judging Eli Roth he's trying to write for dude bro characters back in 2005 so i don't blame him but it's hard it's hard to get it's hard to 
get behind these characters in 2022 watching it in 2022 when these guys are using this kind of language you know and especially when uh, Paxton goes oh I hope bestiality is legal here because you're gonna have to fuck a hog in refers to a woman and again you know he's writing for dude bros in the character in for the time but at the same time, it's hard, like, he's trying to make these three, like, heroes. And they're, they're not, they're, they're kind of just douches, you know. Um, and, you know, I didn't, this, even, even despite those, those, the language stuff, I didn't really find them particularly good or nice guys. They just, they wanted to, I can't relate to that, like fraternity college like let's get laid like uh, I, I can't relate to that kind of culture that personality at all anyway I, I would be at home like playing sonic origins or something um so they spent a lot of time establishing these three guys and i i will say that First of all, I, I didn't think any of the performances were great. And I was going to say that they were all pretty bad. But when Derek Richardson ended up in the chair and he started screaming for his life. Uh, that's that moment I said, OK, that, that that dude's a good actor. I believed him in that scene where he's begging for his life. Um. Oli had kind of a, a lesser role, but I liked him in that role. I believed him in that character. And I will say by far, Jay Hernandez was the worst actor out of the three. So I don't know why, spoiler alert, he was the kind of main character. And um, he was the, spoiler alert, last man standing in the movie. I, I don't know why... Maybe that was just how it was written, but I thought he was bad in this movie. And even his, like, basic facial ex um, expressions, it just, he didn't sell me in his character. And I thought Derek Richardson did a much better job in his opening scene of being tortured. I thought he was really good in that scene. And, like, by the end of the movie, there's there's a sequence, it's like a Goonies sequence where... Um, Paxton is trying to escape from this um, torture chamber and he like pays off a bunch of kids with candy and the the kids stop the bad guys and they're throwing rocks at him. It's like it's went from a, a horror, torture, sadistic, disturbing movie into like a Goonies sequence, which was a little weird. Um... It says here there's an alternate ending in the director's cut of the film. Paxton follows the Dutch businessman being accompanied by his young daughter into a public restroom of a train station after finding her teddy bear in the women's restroom. The Dutch businessman frantically searches the crowd for his missing daughter. Paxton is then seen aboard the moving train with the Dutch businessman's daughter whom he has kidnapped. Um... So yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, 
I'd give it an average review or, you know, it's hard. I guess it's not fair for me to review, review the movie because it's not. Well, I will say I liked saw the book of saw spiral a lot more than this. I thought it was more. I thought it was a lot more solid if that's a term and more fun, I guess. And this one, I don't know. I didn't really like the three main characters all that much. And if, you know, there's there's nudity in this, which is, you know, if you're into that kind of gross stuff. Um, but I don't know. I I don't recommend the movie. It, it was fine. Um, what the heck? Hold on. Another one of Roth's ideas was that it would have an NC-17 rating, which he hoped would help boost the film's notoriety and marketing. When finished, the first cut of the film successfully received an NC-17 rating from the MPAA board, mostly for its nudity and sexual content. The film originally had a real sex scene between two actors, including a real orgasm, which violated MPAA regulations. Over 20 minutes of footage had to be cut in order for the film to receive an R rating. The film is rated 18 by the British Board of Film Classification. Um, Alright. But I I still like an Eli Roth as a, a man, as a personality. And I want... Th- that's the thing. I don't think I've seen... A, I haven't seen many of his movies, but I haven't really liked anything that he's done. Except Finn, but that was a documentary, so that's different. Um, oh, I like Death Wish. So let me go through his filmography. I have not seen Cabin Fever. Hostel. It's all right. Um, I haven't seen Hostel 2. Grindhouse Thanksgiving is a fake trailer. Um, Green Inferno, haven't seen. Knock Knock, I I didn't like that much either. I liked Death Wish. I haven't seen House with a Clock in Its Walls. I'm looking forward to Borderlands because it's Eli Roth. Um, even though I haven't played any of the games. But it's based on a video game, so I, I'm looking forward to it at least. So, Hostile. Um, it was all right. The Fly, nineteen fifty-eight. Um, I will fully disclose, disclose. Scott, disclosure. I told myself, I'm gonna put my phone down. I'm gonna really, um give this movie a chance and watch it without distractions. And I couldn't do it. I don't know if it's ADHD or ADD or what, but I ha- I grabbed my phone and I was looking at my phone throughout. So I didn't really give this movie much of a chance, I will fully admit. And I was I felt pretty checked out, but I but it was probably because I was on my phone throughout the movie. And you know, I liked seeing that it was it was the original for the David Cronenberg, Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis movie, and I could see the kind of original building blocks where there's a guy, he's a scientist, and he 
invented a device that is able to transport objects from one device to another. And he starts small with like a plate. And then eventually he moves on to living things like hamsters. Um, and then he eventually he decides to try it on himself. But a fly entered the contraption. So when he comes out the other end, it's, he's half man, half fly. He's a man with a, 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 the head of a fly and the arm of a fly. And the movie has a weird structure because it opens with... Um, it's like mysterious opening. So the this guy who works in like a factory goes to see this woman running away from a machine. The guy looks at the machine and a guy has been crushed by this machine. So he alerts uh, Francois, played by Vincent Price. And Vincent Price is the woman's brother-in-law and the brother is the one who got crushed it's it's a, f a weird fairly weird opening i would say and most of the movie explaining the plot is in a flashback um so i will say because i was on my phone i felt pretty checked out and i felt bored but i feel like i should um I feel like I should revisit, but I don't really want to. I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the fly Langelan. The fly is a short a science fiction horror short story by French British writer George Langelan. It was published in June nineteen fifty seven issue of Playboy magazine. Huh. <coughs> I'm I'm just going to read this this plot of this short story because who who am I, who am I, who else am I trying to please, you know? The story begins late at night when Francois Delambre is awakened by the telephone. On the other end of the line is his sister-in-law Helene, who tells him that she has just killed his brother and that he should call the police. He does, and they find the mangled remains of his brother in the family factory, his head and arm crushed under a hydraulic machine press. Helene seems surprisingly calm throughout the investigation, willing to answer all questions except one. She will not give the reason for killing him. Eventually, she is sent to a mental asylum, and Francois is given custody of his brother's young son, Henry. Francois goes to visit her often, but she never provides an explanation for the question that he most desperately wants to know. Then one day, Henry inquires how long a housefly's lifespan is, and says he saw the fly his mother wants to catch, which has a white head. Realizing that this might somehow hold a clue to the murder, Francois confronts her with the news that Henry spotted a strange fly and Helene becomes extremely agitated. Francois threatens to go to the police and give them the information about the insect if she does not tell him what he wants to know. She relents and advises him to come back the next day, 
at which time he will receive his explanation. The next day she gives him a handwritten manuscript, and later that night he reads it. His brother, voice crack, Andre Delambre, was a brilliant research scientist who had just made an amazing discovery. Using machines that he called disintegrator reintegrators, Andre could instantaneously transfer matter from one location to another through space. He had two such machines in his basement, one being used as a transmitter pod, the other as a receiver. Helene's manuscript reveals that at first Andre encountered several flukes, including an experiment in which he transmitted an ashtray that reintegrated the, in the receiver pod with the words Made in Japan on the back written backwards. He also tried transmitting the family cat, which disintegrated perfectly but then never reappeared. Eventually, however, he ironed out the mistakes and found that the invention worked perfectly. Then one day, Andre tried to experiment on himself. Unbeknownst to him, a housefly had entered the transmitter pod with him, and when he re-emerged from the receiver, his head and arm had been switched with that of the insect. Dogs barking. Andre tells Helene that his only hope of salvation is for her to find the fly identifiable by the fact that its head is completely white so that he can transmit himself with it in a, again in hopes of regaining his missing atoms. A search of the house provides... God damn it. A search of the house proves fruitless, and in desperation, Helene begs him to go through once more in the hopes that the transformation might reverse itself. Not believing it will work, but wanting to humor her, he agrees and goes through. He trips when he steps out of the receiver and the cloth he has been covering his head with falls off. Helene screams. His accident had switched his head and arm with that of a fly, and his, this last experiment mixed in parts from the missing cat. Now realizing that he had been transformed beyond all hope, Andre destroys the pods and all of the work in his lab and devises a way to commit suicide while at the same time hiding from the world that what he had become. He shows Helene how to operate the hydraulic press and then places himself under it. Obeying his last wish, Helene press pushes the button to lower the press and kills her husband. Francois goes to see Helene the next day but receives heartbreaking news. Unable to live with her memories, she committed suicide by cyanide during the night. Oh boy. Later that evening, Francois invites Inspector Charas, the policeman in charge of the case, over to his house for dinner. After finishing their meal, Francois allows him to read Helene's manuscript. After reading it, Charas declares that Helene must have been mad, and they both decide to destroy the confession. But just as the story ends, Francois tells Charas that earlier that day he killed a fly and buried it at his brother's graveside. It, it was a fly with a white head. Um, did anyone enjoy that? No? Okay. The Return of the Fly, 1959. By the way, I have the box set, the fly box set. Let me check it out on Flamazon. Um, Brita Tutu. 
You know what I mean? You know. The Fly Collection Blu-ray. Um, I... I've only I only started watching it yesterday. I bought it June fifth, twenty twenty one, and I only started watching it yesterday. It is currently forty five dollars and ninety nine USD on Amazon. Um, so it contains the fly. 1958 Return of the Fly Curse of the Fly um, The Fly 1986 and The Fly 2 1989 I should have watched all of them and put it all into one Halloween special podcast but uh, I, I didn't I didn't I took a picture of the Return of the Fly Blu-ray cover because the the art's pretty cool. It's it's a a big old fly head and um I forget the girl's name, um Celine or something. She's like scared. And here's the here's the words. I don't All new and more horrific than before. Return of the Fly Cinemascope. Here's what made me laugh. In big red capital letters, it says, Scream at, and it's underlined, The human terror created by Adam's gone wild. And then again, Scream at, underlined, The ghastly fly monster as he keeps a love tryst. And a third time, Scream at, The desperate search for the fly with the head of a man. Kind of a weird... It says scream at three times on the cover of this. I, I thought that was weird. Um, Return of the Fly. So Return of the Fly, I really, really tried to do better about my phone. So I put it with, um, out of arm's reach. And I liked Return of the Fly significantly better than The Fly. But again, it's because... I wasn't looking at my whole my phone the whole time. So the the story of Return of the Fly it opens with the a funeral scene of Helene. So I don't know I don't remember them specifying her cause of death. I don't think they explicitly say that she committed suicide. But there is an opening monologue voiceover by Vincent Price and he says that she was haunted by the memories and she couldn't deal with it even until the end so she dies um, amazingly Vincent Price looks exactly the same as he did in The Fly 1958 but the little boy Philippe is now, in a, is now a grown ass man easily 30-35 years old in this movie um, so the basic story of Return of the Fly is the mom dies, the son is curious about what happened to his dad, so Vincent Price is hesitant to tell him, but eventually he reveals the truth to him, 
and the son is like, I want to carry on my father's legacy. I want to be an explorer and venture into worlds unknown, just like my father did. And Vincent Price, who's his uncle, he's like, no, I don't want you to do this. It's dangerous. You could get hurt. You could die. But the son is adamant. So he decides to go for it anyway. He has an assistant named... Um, God damn it. Named... God damn it. Um, Alan Hines. Although that's not his real name. So the only one who returned for this sequel is Vincent Price. And so the basic story... Well, I already said that, but Alan Hines is the assistant. He turns out to be a a two-timer, um, a, a, a liar, a fibber, a man of little truths. He, a double-crosser. He double-crosses uh, Philippe, which I didn't see coming. Uh, you know, I'm not... I'm not all that smart. I was watching the movie, enjoying it. And when it was revealed that he's going to double cross Philippe, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Kind of a cool conceit. And I liked the twists and turns in this movie. Um, <laughs> you know, I was on, I was legitimately disturbed at one scene in this movie where this detective or policeman follows Alan Hines, whose real name is Ronald Holmes in the movie, back to the lab. And uh, they fight. And um, Ronald ends up pushing the police guy into the contraption. And there was a a hamster that they had transported earlier, but they didn't get back yet. So when Ronald gets back the guy, he's half man, half hamster. And they show a hamster on the ground with human hands. And I literally went, oh, because the hands were like moving. And this movie is um, shot in black and white. And I enjoyed this movie. It was kind of creepy, kind of disturbing. The, everything looks better in black and white, especially for like an old school monster movie. Um, the fly's head is bigger and creepier in this movie. And it again, it looks better in black and white. I think this movie peaks when. Um, when they reveal like the big fly head on Andre or not Andre. um Philippe. By the way, in The Fly, Andre sounds very similar to uh, Zap Brannigan. So if you go back and watch The Fly, 1958, you'll, and you hear Andre speak, he's like, um, well, I have to get the contraption. I, I don't know how to speak like Zap Brannigan, but um, he's, he reminded me of Zap Brannigan. And so this movie, I, I feel like it peaked when they revealed the big fly head on Philippe. And I would have been satisfied if they cut the movie right then. 
I would have been like short, sweet, fine. Because after that, the tail end of this movie is kind of like a wild, what's the phrase? Wild goose chase hunt. Wild goose hunt. Wild goose chase. Um, looking for Philippe. And I felt like that part kind of dragged. And I would have been satisfied like, I just burped. At the end of this movie, if the son had the same fate as his father and it's a tragedy and that's it, cut it. And the end of this movie, I felt it kind of drug dragged. But I did like this movie a lot more than Fly. But again, I was on my phone watching The Fly and I was not on my phone watching Return of the Fly. But I liked it a lot more. Um, I recommend Return of the Fly over The Fly. And I wasn't looking forward to watching Return of the Fly because I was bored of The Fly. And now I am looking forward to The Curse of the Fly. But um, I'm not sure if... I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to expect with it. But after Return of the Fly, I think the franchise is promising. And I'm looking forward to rewatching the first Cronenberg Jeff Goldblum fly. Where am I at? I'm at 57 minutes. That's all I got for the movies. Um, I'm recording this on October 22, 2022. Uh, I hope everyone is doing well. I hope you your pets are well, healthy, and thriving. Um, I hope you are all taking care of yourselves and each other. Um, don't abandon your friends to the wolves. Um, pursue your dreams. That's all I got to say. Life's too short to, to, do, to not do what you want to do out of this life as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. If you have a dream, if you have aspirations, go for it. I mean, I saw a quote. I hate quotes. I hate adages because there's always an equally intriguing, interesting, truthful adage that's saying the exact opposite of another adage. So, for example, um, he who hesitates is lost. I, I like that quote. I like that quote a lot. But then there's the quote, good things come to those who wait. You know, so at the end of the day, it's pointless, you know, because for every adage, there is an opposite adage that is equally as truthful. But one quote that I saw that I liked was, don't put yourself on fire, don't light yourself on fire to keep others warm. And I like that quote because it's saying like, you know, it's fine to take care of your your family and your friends and it's fine to make sacrifices, but... There's got to be a line, you know, if you're super depressed or uncomfortable or you want to die. Then you you have to make changes in your life, you know, that's that's what I think. Um, that's all I got. Have a happy and safe Halloween. I think. N- well, this comes out October 24th and then it's Halloween. So there might be a part three to this Halloween special question mark. But we'll see. I don't know. Uh, Thank you for listening and say hi to your pets for me.